This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, per usual, is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. What's been going on in your world? It's training day, sucker. <laughs> it is. Another one of those movies where they you know, say the name of the movie in the dialogue. <laughs> this is your training day, Officer Hoyt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot how good Training Day was until I rewatched it. It's probably been, uh, I don't know, close to 10 years since I had seen it. I mean, Denzel is amazing in it. But yeah, uh, we can I get think into it's, that. It's a movie that's propped up by Denzel, basically. Without him, yeah, it kind of falls apart. Yeah, I can, I can see that. But I mean, he's so good in it. Yeah. Like, it, just him alone. Ethan Hawke gets a bad rap, but uh, he did some decent movies back in the day. Yeah. Gattaca. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking he was another one of them British actors that came and took all the American roles, but I just yeah. looked and he was born in Texas mm-hmm. and raised in New Jersey. Yeah. So I was wrong. I don't know where I got that idea. Maybe it's the goatee. So uh, did your mother let you see this in the theater? How did you see this back in the day? No, I think this was one of my many blockbuster free trial rentals. Oh. Back in uh, the summer before senior year of high school. Yeah, see, I actually saw this in the theater somehow. So this came out in 01. I would have been 15 at the time. And... Like, I could see some rated R movies and whatnot, but, like, as far as seeing them in the theater, like, that was kind of a no-no up until that time. Unless, like, my parents are with me, because I think I saw Lethal Weapon 4 in the theater with my family, and maybe Die Hard with a Vengeance. But, um, yeah, uh, I got to see this in the theater. This is before I started working at said theater in my hometown plaza three theaters three screens son that's that's not bad yeah my hometown theater had 10 screens suck on that (laughs) (laughs) well we can't all be cake eaters from woodbury (laughs) some of us grew up in the country in the rural areas in god's country but uh, yeah, I remember at the time, Denzel was my favorite actor and Training Day was like my most anticipated movie ever in my life up until that point. It's only 15 years old, but yeah, it came at a time when I was, I mean, I still love Denzel. He's not my absolute favorite. He's probably still top five leading man for me. But, um, you know, I loved uh, The Hurricane. But uh, when he played Reuben Carter from 
99. He's yes. remember the Titans, which, you know, that was popular when we were kids. But also, he got game. I loved he got game growing up. And uh, Fallen, Courage Under Fire, and Pelican Brief. Those are kind of the movies I had seen at that time. I hadn't even seen, you know, like Glory or Ricochet or Malcolm X. Although, well, maybe Malcolm X at that time. I can't remember. I saw Glory in high school in two different classes. Mm. Same teacher. Never. I don't. I still don't think I've seen Crimson Tide. I have not. I think the first Denzel movie, like I saw Man on Fire in the theater, mm-hmm. and then I saw Inside Man in the theater. Same with American Gangster. But I, you know, I went back and I rented like his other, like Deja Vu and Out of Time, Training Day. Remember the Titans I probably saw earlier, but it was, I mean, it was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallen was another one that I really liked. Malcolm X, I think I watched maybe in college. And I, I don't know, I didn't think it was that great. Um, I mean, it was really long, obviously, but yeah. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything else with him in it, to be honest. And then, so I saw it in the theater, and like, I don't think I was ready for it, I guess, because Denzel is always a good guy. Never yeah. played the villain before, I mean, that I had seen. Right. And so, like, even like throughout the movie, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you solve the puzzle little by little. Okay, he's a piece of shit, corrupt cop. You know, he's a villain, especially by the end. But even like after he shoots Roger and he's in the car talking to Ethan Hawke about, you know, world's better off without him and he sold drugs to kids and all this. I'm like, he plays uh, without a rule book, but uh, he's still, he's, do, he's doing the right thing overall. He's probably still, he's still a good cop. He yeah, can still I- be like the good guy of the movie. And then like, a scene later and then it's like nope <laughs> <laughs> honestly he spins it so so well throughout the movie like he just he justifies all of his actions mm-hmm. throughout the whole film like and even like when he bails on his partner <laughs> he's just like I mean, what are you gonna do like this you're preventing me from uh you know whatever I always love the lines, you know, when he says, uh, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. Yeah. Cause it's so true. Like you can know that this guy's a piece of shit all you want, but what, what do you have to do to prove it? Like you, you have no evidence. <laughs> like he's so good at covering up his, his, you know, his shitty acts. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was disappointed when I saw it. It was just, you know, it wasn't something I was prepared for, I guess, because I thought it was just going to be a gritty cop, you know, action thriller. Isn't really even much action. No, not really. But um, yeah, it is definitely kind of a unique movie in that way. Yeah. And I can see like going in, having expectations of kind of what you're getting into and getting something completely different and you know, that's happened to me with a bunch of different movies. Um, and then obviously, you know, watching it again, you kind of know what you're getting into and you can appreciate it for what it is. 
but yeah, I can see that, you know, especially when you're like 15 and you're going in and you're like, you know, you don't have a lot of movie going experience, uh, you know, so it's something you haven't seen before. It, it kind of catches you off guard. Yeah. I mean, I still really liked it. And it went from being my most anticipated movie in the theater to, to DVD because let's see, this would have been in the spring of 02 when the DVD came out. Like 02 was when I first got a DVD player. So this was, I don't know, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't my first couple of DVDs that I bought, but it was in my first like 15 or 20. Yeah. And it was at uh, Walmart where they only had one little section that had new DVDs. It was like maybe five or six movies wide and then <laughs> five shelves high. But the cover art faced you. That's how little of inventory they had of DVDs because there just wasn't that many. And it was a small Walmart. So there's like 25 movies basically that you could choose from. And there was training day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took forever to come out too. Like I remember just waiting, like, when is this going to come out? Like, I think I remember uh, seeing that it was going to come out in like February 02 and then it didn't come out till early. It was like a certain date. It was like weeks delayed. And, but yeah, I, um, it's one of my first DVDs. Yeah. I, I bought this on DVD pretty soon after I had rented it um, or, you know, got it for free from blockbusters mailing system mm-hmm. yeah. so like a bunch of those like i watched this one i watched like a bunch of tarantino uh probably like goodfellas yeah. uh, casino like a bunch of gangster movies like you know a whole bunch of like r-rated movies that i would have never watched growing up and then i ended up like buying them on dvd you know because i'm like Shit, i'm gonna want to watch these over and over again and now all those DVDs are old because it was like 2004, 2005, you know. Yeah, I joined one of those movie clubs. It was like, a, you know, Columbia or whatever. Yeah. Where, <laughs> you know, if you don't, uh, you know, mail in something that says no, they, you know, they mail you a movie you got to pay for every month. It's like 25 bucks. You had yeah, to buy you, like four or five like, movies a year. But yeah, you got like, I don't know, five or ten for like a, a penny. Right. Yeah. Signed up. I think my brother did that for CDs and then obviously mm-hmm. we canceled right away. But uh, yeah, I remember like uh, I get 15 CDs for a dollar, pick like five that you want. <laughs> but yeah. um, I mean, that was a good deal. Like if, if you played the game, I can see why they don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but they had a pretty big list of movies, you know, much more than the 25 available in my local Walmart, they had oh, like yeah. a thousand movies. Sure. I'm a little surprised Walmart had those movies because, like, they only sell edited music, like, they only sell censored music, but like, movies they'll sell like the the full uncensored movies, yeah, which is weird. I don't maybe it's a race thing because only rap music <laughs> gets censored. <laughs> hey, Eminem got censored. <laughs> I had that uh, censored Eminem CD, the oh, yeah. the second one, the Marshall Mathers LP. I bet that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Well, I had that uh, alternate song since they couldn't uh, do that Kim Snuff song. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it was like an anti-drug song that sounded like uh, well like the chorus it sounds like mr mackey in the chorus it goes like drugs are just bad okay i think I've, I've only heard that song maybe once yeah i heard it a lot back in the day <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched Training Day a lot first few years, and then I kind of just, I don't know, I wasn't into it as much. It's, it was like, okay, Antoine Fuqua directed it and then went on to do literally like nothing else significant because every movie of his that comes out is just from the director of Training Day. It doesn't say from the director of <laughs> Tears of the Sun or Southpaw. So I think he did Southpaw. That was one of his more recent ones. Let's look. We did the Equalizer. Yeah, he movies. did Southpaw. Yeah, it's like everything he does is mediocre at best. It's like this is his only movie that's considered like something to remember. And like most of his movies are with Denzel. He did the, the Equalizer movies. He did the Magnificent Seven remake. Because he did Olympus Has Fallen. Is that the one with Jamie Foxx? Uh, no. No. No, that's the Morgan Freeman, Gerard Butler. Yeah. So it doesn't look like he did the sequels to that, though. He did a couple documentaries recently. Like his three most recent ones are documentaries. He did the American Dream, American Nightmare one about Suge Knight. Mm-hmm. He did a. Uh, a Muhammad Ali one, and then uh, the day sports stood still. I'm not sure what that is. Um, yeah, he kind of started out in music videos, and the first like big movie he did that he directed was uh, the Replacement Killers. And I remember when that came out, everyone's talking about, "Oh man, the action scenes are insane! This is an action movie that's going to go down in history." I remember watching it even at the time and I was like, eh, you know, nothing much to write home about. Now we think about it nowadays, like nobody talks about the replacement killers. No, it's telling totally fat when he was, you know, in the nineties, he was big in America. He came over with John Woo and whatnot, but like the name sounds familiar. The title sounds familiar. I mean, but Tim and um, Mira Sorvino. Yeah. Like I don't, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem, it seems like a bargain basement. Like a Walmart bargain bin, five dollar DVD. Yeah. He did bait with Jamie Fox. <laughs> I never saw yeah. that. No, I haven't either. That was like before Jamie Fox got really big too. It was like when he was first starting to get some. Yep. Um, lead roles during the Jamie Fox show. <laughs> <laughs> See, he did King Arthur and Shooter and Tears of the Sun, Brooklyn's Finest. There's nothing to write home about. Southpaw was just terrible. I bought that. Uh, I like Jake Gyllenhaal, so I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. It's from the director of Training Day, so why not? <laughs> and it was like $3 Blu-ray, like uh, Black Friday type of deal. That's Watched funny. it once and never again. It's That's so funny, stupid. Because that movie came out in 2015. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it couldn't have been that long ago. It's probably been a couple of years since I remember you telling me about it. Like it, it could have been more than maybe a year or two after it came out that you're like, I watched Southpaw and I wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then our <laughs> earlier episode of the, the podcast. 
<laughs> Magnificent Seven. I never saw it. Don't care to that remake. And then the Equalizer movies. I saw the first one. I think I thought it was okay for Denzel, but it was forgettable. Haven't watched it since. Have you watched the TV so- series? <laughs> no, <laughs> not the old one. The the Queen Latifah. One. <laughs> I have not. I think you I waited to- all week for the fucking Equalizer. <laughs> I think you gotta have um, Paramount Plus to watch it. It's the thing, like you know, a great director like Martin Scorsese. You know, when he has a movie that comes out now, it says you know from the director of The Wolf of Wall Street and The Aviator, and maybe right. they say Goodfellas. You know, they don't even mention you know Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. You know, they don't have to because he keeps on making hits and right. good movies. <laughs> Antoine Fuqua, the director of Training Day. 20 years ago. Here's a new one. What has he done since? Fucking not a damn thing. So that's where it's like this movie has like I, I could say he did a fine job with this movie, but you gotta think Denzel had a lot to do with that. And the script by David Ayer. David Ayer is another guy who only gets lucky once in a great while. Yeah, I've seen some actually I've seen quite a few of his movies. Um, and you really liked the uh, Suicide Squad. And I'm sure you want to release the air cut. <laughs> <laughs> See, I liked, well, I wouldn't say I really, really liked it, but I, I enjoyed it, the theatrical cut. So I don't know, like, I'm a little wary of, like, you know, if I like the theatrical cut, am I going to like the air cut? Because, like, the Snyder cut was completely different than the, the theatrical cut of Justice League. <laughs> yeah. And admittedly, is well, not to sound like I like the original Justice League, but it was way better than the original Justice League. But, like, if you liked the original Justice League, like, are you gonna like the Snyder cut? I don't know, but yeah. I, I would watch it if they released it. Yeah, David Ayer, he did Fury, yeah, Fury uh, and End of End of Watch are the only Ayer films that I like at all. I think. Yeah, and to watch was pretty good. He did sabotage that Arnold one. That just sucked. Yeah, I never saw that. I saw he did the he did Bright. He did the tax collector. Yeah. Apparently they're um, making a Bright 2. Why were they making a Bright 2? I thought everybody hated that movie. Yeah, I saw the tax collector too, because I like watching uh well, I know it's controversial now. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, the roles that Shia LaBeouf would pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was pretty decent in it, but the movie sucked. The guy who played opposite him, well, like kind of co-starred in it with him, played his, his buddy. Yeah. Was God awful and the movie sucked. So it was just, yeah, just I'll watch, terrible. I'll watch it if I can get it for free. But uh, I'm not going to pay to watch it. I think I, I, think I paid and I was disappointed <laughs> that I paid. Did you see Harsh Times? I, no. I, it's I a remake of the, It's a remake, right, of that Bronson film? Is it? I don't know. Well, there is a Bronson film called Harsh Times, and I think it's a prison movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think I saw it. I remember seeing the... Maybe it's one of those remakes that isn't a remake, like Werner Herzog. I've never heard of this so-called bad lieutenant. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't remember it being a prison movie. It was like two guys 
like one guy pressuring his friend to do like criminal stuff, but I don't remember them like going to jail. Um, but like, I remember seeing like the, uh, the poster for that. Like it would always pop up like everywhere. And then I finally watched it and I'm like, Oh, this is just okay. Cause like Christian Bale's in it. And it's like, well, Christian Bale, it must be good from the writer <laughs> of, from the writer of training day. It's probably around the time that uh, you remember Bale played the villain in Shaft, Samuel Jackson. No, I haven't seen either of the the Shaft remakes. I've only seen parts, but I realized that Christian Bale was a villain. I was like, Oof. the scenes <laughs> I saw him in were not not something for his real. Trying to find that movie with Charles Bronson. I feel like they just talked about it on Midnight Movie Cowboys. Maybe Hard Times. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. Hard times. Yeah, Harsh Times was the first movie that Christian Bale did after The Machinist. And Hard Times is about a a drifter turned illegal prize fighter. (laughs) So I don't think this prison movie at all. I don't think prison's involved. Just some bare knuckle brawling. No, Harsh Times was like uh, Christian Bale came back from the army and he was like itching for stuff to do and like, I don't know if he was doing like illegal stuff in the army and then he wanted his friend to like come in with him, uh, you know, in civilian life or I don't know. It's just like them driving around most of the day. It's not great. Mm. All right. Well, we should probably get to the details here. Training Day came out in 01. Directed by Antoine Fuqua. Written by David Ayer. Starring. Denzel Washington as Alonzo, Ethan Hawke as Jake Hoyt, Scott Glenn as Roger, Tom Berenger as Stan Gursky, Harris Yellen as Doug Rosselli, Raymond J. Berry as Lou Jacobs. Those are the three wise men, those last three guys. Cliff Curtis plays Smiley. Dr. Dre played Paul. Snoop Dogg was Blue. Macy Gray was Sandman's wife. Eva Mendez was Sarah. That's Alonzo's baby mama his mama sita mm-hmm. raymond cruz was sniper well uh Guglielmi was moreno samantha esteban was letty it's the uh the little cousin of smiley yeah kajal and jolly was alonzo's son he actually looked like he could be denzel's son Although he doesn't look like Denzel. Like he looks like he could be Denzel and Ava Mendes' son. Yeah. He doesn't look like David Washington. David Ayer uh, was uncredited as a first Russian hitman. Oh. Ter- Terry Crews was an uncredited gang member. Peter Green was Jeff. I don't know why he's uncredited in here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to pay him. But yeah, there's a lot of musical artists in here sure uh Foucault got him in from uh all his connections through making music videos yeah did you mention snoop dog is he listed yeah yeah okay synopsis a rookie cop spends his first day as a la narcotics officer with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears to be spoilers what does he appear to? He appears to be a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe at the be well, even at the beginning, he's a real jerk. 
Like, you know, he calls him up. You know, Jake is getting ready for work. His wife's already breastfeeding. And uh, Alonzo calls him up, sweet talks his wife on the phone. And then he tells him, don't go to roll call. Meet me at the diner, 10 a.m. And uh, it was funny because Jake starts thanking me. Like, oh, thank you for this opportunity. And he just fucking hangs up on him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that shit. He doesn't want to hear shit at the diner either. He just wants to read his paper in peace. Well, Jake won't shut up. I mean, how can he not just sit there and sign? He t- he says, be quiet. Let me read my paper. And Jake starts talking again. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that leads us to our first clip. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit. But it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. Well, there was a DUI stop. A DUI stop. Wow, let me load up my guns. <laughs> a DUI? Oh, well, shit. I, listen, all right? It's good. We were on mid-watch. Oh, we, and, oh uh, me and Debbie. Who's Debbie? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Debbie Maxwell, my training officer. You got a female training officer? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so what was she, black, white? She was white. Uh-huh. Liquor license? A what? A lick her license. Was she a dyke, a lesbian? Oh, is she any good? <laughs> is she yeah, any good? She's, she's pretty good. Okay, she pretty good, Debbie, mid-watch, go. Right, uh, all right, well, so it was a real quiet night. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> you never know, that's the point, go. All right, well, it was it was quiet night. Uh, we're rolling on Van Owen. I'm driving. Uh, this Acura, just a beautiful car, comes out of side street, all over the median, in excess. I light it up, hit the whaler. Guy drives on like I'm invisible for 10 blocks before he pulls over. All right, plates run clean, and so I field test and arrest, and I'm, I'm belting him in our unit, and Debbie's tossing his car. She calls me over to the vehicle and shows me Snub 38 and two shotguns fully loaded and locked. No shit. No shit. So... Uh, she calls our supervisor, and I keep searching. I find 500 grams of meth in the dash. Turns out this DUI is on bail for distribution. It's on his way to smoke his ex-partner before trial. Boom. We prevented a murder. You got him. <laughs> it's amazing. It is. That you could be out there with a fine bitch for a year, and the most entertaining story that you can come up with to tell me is a drunk stop. But I don't believe you. You tapped that ass, didn't you? Tell the truth. <laughs> you know you tapped that ass. You put it in the back seat. Bam. Code X. But man, I got a wife. You got a dick. You do have a dick, don't you? Yes. Okay, your dick lines up straight like that, right? To the right of it and to the left of it are pockets, right? In those pockets are money. Look in either one of them, pay the bill. It's not that boring of a story. It's actually pretty good, I think. <laughs> Denzel's not interested in your drunk stops. <laughs> or Alonzo. He's not, he's not interested. He wants to hear about you fucking your partner. <laughs> he crosses the line right from the, right from the get-go. I mean, that's a red flag, isn't it? Like that uh, this guy, first of all, he says, blow off your roll call. Meet me at the diner, and then at, once he's at the diner, he just wants to hear about you fucking your partner. After he already flirted with your wife. 
<laughs> That's true. Oh, he's a smooth talker. I like yeah. when he's he's like, we're going to spend most of the day in the office. And then they, you know, he gets into his car mm-hmm. and he says, so where's the office? You're in the office, baby. <laughs> Those hydraulics were ridiculous. There's a nice Monte Carlo, though, with the still Dre shirts blaring. Yeah. Good song. <laughs> so good. It's so, so, all right, good. this is going to be a movie with a good soundtrack. And then it's like, that's basically like the only rap song you hear. No, there's a few others. It's, uh, I'd say there's probably about a handful, maybe five or six pretty noticeable scenes where they have a uh, pretty popular rap music in the background. Those are just some party scenes, especially at the end where they have music, but yeah, well, I'd say like, you know, anytime they run into the, the jungle, they have stuff playing, um, I know they had stuff playing when they uh, they went to go meet Mrs. Sandman. The jungle is a party. Sure is. Don't go in there without a uh, platoon. Yeah, they filmed in the actual jungle in L.A. Now, I was kind of watching some behind-the-scenes stuff. I had heard that pretty much all the extras were real gang members and people that lived there. And, I mean, that's true, but they didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of interesting things behind the scenes. Like it wasn't like people got hurt. There wasn't like a drive by and, you know, a camera guy got shot in the leg, <laughs> you know, nothing like that happened. It was just, it wasn't like the behind the scenes on Friday. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Where that stuff actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just more like, uh, you know, everyone on their best behavior or, you know, like Ethan Hawke and Denzel were just talking about, you know, being apprehensive maybe about filming there when you get there it's oh it's just they're just regular people that you know they're just they just happen to live here yeah it's them just happen to be gang members <laughs> but you know a lot of them uh, uh were very you know interested in the process you know especially a lot of the young kids that were there you know they're showing them how the camera works you know they get to meet denzel there's a lot of stuff like that behind the scenes uh because fuqua talked about how he was influenced at a young age by film because he grew up in the Pittsburgh projects and there was some film crew that was filming something in his neighborhood. And that's how he first got introduced to filmmaking. And so he was kind of wanted to pass it along to the next generation. Yeah. Give kids the experience that he had. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And then like, you know, I don't know what you expect when you go into a neighborhood like that to film, like with a big crew, and I'm sure they had security and stuff. This is a pretty big studio film, wasn't it? You know, like yeah, put some money. I think into it was it. Uh, Warner Brothers. I mean, Denzel was a pretty big star at this point. Yeah. So it's like I don't know if they expect to like just to go into these neighborhoods and like people be like pointing guns at them and stuff like that um like i mentioned friday i've heard ice cube talk about like when they're filming friday like they had to pay like the the local gangs basically made them pay like taxes for filming in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and um you know it was stuff like that but i think that was a smaller production it was pretty bare bones and then even with like ice cube in charge you know like (laughs) there's 
they're still kind of uh you know give them a hard time but like was that filmed in compton uh or, maybe or uh, nearby somewhere, area yeah Crenshaw, somewhere in, maybe yeah somewhere in that la neighbor you know area so i don't know exactly where it was but like i think ace cube had to kind of work as the uh, ambassador between the, the locals and the film crew so <laughs> but i but i think they had a budget for the uh like i said the taxes that the locals were imposing for mm-hmm. kind of taking over their street gotta but, tax that ass <laughs> dead zeldas <laughs> she's gotta Just tax them a little ass. bit <laughs> but i think like one of the advantages of filming in the neighborhood like that is like they're basically all consultants on the movie. Like you could just go to anybody in the neighborhood and say, Hey, like what would happen in this situation or, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think like people would be like brazen enough to start like giving them a hard time or like threatening violence against these people when there's like a big like studio production on their street. I would think that they'd be more likely to be like, Hey, yeah, I'll be in your movie. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So my next note is Scott Glenn. So I just want to get to the first scene at Scott Glenn's house. Or I guess before that, I guess you can say the uh, stopping the teenagers and getting the weed. But um, yeah, I think the Scott Glenn thing is quite a ways in. Well, there's the the memeable line where like Denzel asks him why he wants to be a, a cop or whatever, and he gives him the you know the book answer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he's like, you know, I'll do anything you want me to do. And Denzel, you know, my N word. You know? <laughs> like, like he says that throughout, like anytime that he says something, and I've seen that memed like a bunch of times. Yeah. As well as several other things out of this. As well um, as him saying, this is his training day. <laughs> yeah. So he stops, uh, they make an example out of this, you know, Volkswagen Beetle of college students who are buying some dirt weed. <laughs> Although that doesn't sound like dirt weed to me. If it really gets you high, it's like, well, that's like a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I would want to smoke PCP, but. Um, well, I wasn't sure if like they bought PCP. Like, I don't know what PCP looks like. You know? Neither do I, but I think it was just weed laced with PCP, you know okay because they did mention like small hairs and something about it being a little like undergrown or something like that yeah like i I couldn't tell if what they bought was pcp and he just didn't recognize it or like if it was actually like weed and then like denzel switched it or if it was like you said maybe it was laced with pcp but um, i don't know if it has a smell either because scott glenn you know smells like like he knows it right away that it's PCP and Denzel's like, well, didn't you taste it? So apparently you can like taste and smell PCP and differentiate it versus weed. Yeah. Which is something I'm not familiar with. I don't know. I was man. like, I don't know about that. Did you taste it? And it like, is he supposed to know what PCP tastes like? It's like a good narcotics officer loves narcotics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the lesson. You didn't taste it. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. tasted it. I've never, I've never smoked PCP before. Neither have I. But you have now. 
And then it's, I, I don't know if you, I hope you got this clip because I think I asked you to get this clip, but it's the famous scene where uh, that was later spoofed on Chappelle's show <laughs> with, yeah. with, with Wayne Brady and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> After Wayne Brady had taken over Dave's show. Yeah. They had the, the outing of, it was basically a, a training day parody where like, Wayne Brady was like the hardest motherfucker in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> he get up to choke a bitch, pimping hoes and getting paid and getting drugs and shooting, shooting cops, <laughs> shooting people. He no, he, I think he just shot uh, Ashy Larry. But he, that's uh, right. Yeah, like the cop tried to to pull him over. The cop pulled him over and he ended up breaking the cop's neck, like Van Damme style or whatever, Seagal style or whatever. <laughs> But then there's a scene where uh, in training day, like we said, uh, they they busted this car of college students after they bought some drugs from one of Alonzo's uh, informants. And Alonzo forces Jake to smoke it in the middle of an intersection. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's pointing his gun at the dude that's honking at him. And then uh, Jake, too. You know, as a yeah. lesson, you know, this is what will happen in the street if you turn it down. Not like I put a gun to your head. <laughs> <laughs> there is a clip where he uh, lets him know that it's PCP. You okay? Some man size hit you took, dog. When's the last time you smoked weed? Uh, the last, um, 12th grade. We were, well, we were, um, smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Left that out of your service jacket, didn't you? Yeah, I know you got secrets. Everybody got secrets. Didn't know you like to get wet, though. What's wet? Butt naked. Ill. Charm. Dust. PCP. Primos. P-Dog. That's what you had. That's what you were smoking. You couldn't taste it. No, I've never done it. You have now. I haven't, but you have. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Man, I'm going to get piss tested and I'm going to get fired. Lieutenant's got out back. We know a week before we piss. Oh, shit. Shit. Boom. Why did you do this to me? Uh, you're an adult, man. Shit. Nobody told you to smoke that. Made a decision. Live with your decision. Mm-hmm. And like I put a gun to your head. But he did and, put a gun to his head. And he did tell him to smoke it. <laughs> Man up. Man nobody, up. Nobody told you to smoke it. <laughs> then you start to question yourself. He's now we call it gaslighting. Back then it was just like uh fucking with him, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is where he uh they go from there to Roger's house, which we don't find out he's Roger until later. They don't even say his name. It's it's Alonzo's dog. Sure is. <laughs> Scott Glenn know, is trying super hard. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What else has Scott Glenn do, done? I always just remember him from uh, Silence of the Lambs. He was Clarice's uh, kind of CEO, basically. Okay. And uh, also, 
What else do I know him from? You can look it up here, his filmography. Because I so feel he, like he looked familiar, but I couldn't. Backdraft. Do you remember Backdraft? No, I've never seen Backdraft. Oh, yeah. Well, he was in Apocalypse Now. Yep. Should I see if I can find anything else I've seen him in? Oh, he was in the original Man on Fire, which I could never find. Hmm. Have you seen that? The one from 87? He played Creasy in it. Which is the the main character in the remake. I assume he's the main character in the the original. Joe Pesci's in that movie. What? Yeah. Why is that never on streaming? Plays David. I don't think it's on DVD. Third build here. Jonathan Price. Danny Aiello. It is set in Italy. <laughs> I think it's based on the. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Um, Gotti. No, Getty. The uh, John Paul Getty uh, kidnapping. Okay. Yeah, Scott Glenn's been in a lot of stuff, but I really haven't seen any of his movies except for a couple. The right stuff. He was like uh, second build on the right stuff. So that was a big one in 83. He was in Sucker Punch later. <laughs> Restore the Snyderverse. I've been meaning to rewatch Sucker Punch. If I can. You still hitting those retweets and those likes? <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, it's, he was uh, in The Leftovers. That's probably what I would recognize him most from. Okay. He was in The Leftovers. I think Sucker Punch is the only Snyder film I've never seen. And I've heard that yeah, I'm not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it, but I feel like it, it was another one where I was like, I put it on when I was tired and I I was kind of in and out. So I feel like I missed parts of it, but I never went back and rewatched it. Yeah. I don't think it's like it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. I think it's a, I don't know, it's kind of a surreal type of movie. Maybe we just need the Snyder cut of sucker punch i think that's all critically heralded like just let this dude make his own movies is i think the the moral of the story make let him make the movies he wants to make um yeah so they're at roger's house he just wants to get a look at him you know and then uh roger points out that alonzo is wanted by the russians for some shit that happened in vegas very vague about all that did you like a snail joke (laughs) what's your problem (laughs) and then jake's like it's all about smiles and frowns cries smiles and cries that's right it's all you have and nobody can take them away from you like this dude's stoned out of his mind very profound (laughs) I did like that, like, once they kind of reveal their plan at the end, that, like, all this is foreshadowing. Like, every single part of this is foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just uh, Alonzo executing his plan to a T all day. I've been planning this all week. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem is he didn't account for Jake jumping out of his car and stopping a random rape in the fucking alley. 
because that threw a whole monkey wrench into his plan. Because that well, came back to bite him later. To know? <laughs> what a coincidence. Like the one 14-year-old girl getting gang raped in the alley by two homeless dudes is the cousin of the guy whose house Alonzo drops Jake at for them to like kill him. And she had to have dropped her wallet and forgotten about it and just left. Right. So that he found it and put it in his back pocket. Uh, yeah, and he had to put it in his pocket and not like put it in the glove compartment with the rest of the shit. Oh, hold on a second. Let up. me get his money. <laughs> you want to book this? It's $60. You know, <laughs> you going to book that? Where's it? Where's, where's, your, where's your suspect, Jake? <laughs> he just lets him go. Jake, uh, you know, does all he can to fight off those two crackheads that were trying to, you know, rape that young uh, Latina girl. And, you know, Denzel comes in and it's kind of the, it's not the first, but like maybe the second sign of, it's kind of a dark character. Maybe uh, he has some hidden demons. <laughs> he takes out a knife and he's starting to cut up the dude's face and, you know, he's beating him. Like you think he's might even kill him. And then he just, you know, lets him go. Like doesn't give a shit. I like how Denzel's always like clacking his guns together. Like he's yeah. so nonchalant with his guns. Like you're lucky. He's lucky he doesn't blow his own balls off. <laughs> like he was, <laughs> he handed the two guns out, pointed at the one dude's balls. And he's like, which one do you want to keep? You know, Denzel make a decision. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, he didn't account for that in his planning. You know, looking back, it's like it's such a like a, such a stretch that this one little, you know, act of um you know, consciousness uh by Jake would come back and help him later in the movie. There's I also have a line written down that uh, when Denzel's talking to the guy that you know, he's kicking his ass and he's asking me if you ever been to the booty house <laughs> the guy's well, like, gonna love him in there the guy <laughs> says suck my dick and then and then so i was like yeah that's how it starts <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some great lines in it. like every scene has great lines in it so yeah this leads to our next clip of uh you know, Hoyt was not happy about not putting these guys in jail. And, you know, Denzel wants to let the garbage men handle the garbage. They're after the big fish. The wolves. And the wolves. You got to be a wolf to catch a wolf. So let's get into that clip. I'm going to book that 60 bucks, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Book it into evidence, man. Where the suspects don't you could go back and get the suspects. I don't know where they are. You let them go. <laughs> oh, I let them yeah, go. Yeah, you let them go. Right, hey, man. You want to run a gun, man? Stay in patrol, okay? This is investigations, all right? Let the garbage men handle the garbage. We're professional anglers, okay? We go after the big fish. Chasing the monkey strong, crackhead motherfuckers anyway. You know they'd have killed you without yeah, hesitating. That's why they belong in prison. For what? They got beat down. They lost their rock. They lost their money. The message from Hillside probably going to smoke them. I mean, Jesus, what more you want? I want justice. Right? Is that I not mean, justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, I just let the animals wipe themselves out. God right? willing. Fuck them. Everybody who looks like them. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. The good guys, they die first, right? Those school kids and moms, family men, they don't want to catch the stray bullets in the noodle. To protect the sheep 
you got to catch the wolf. And it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. You understand? What? I said you protect the sheep hey, by killing you. the motherfucking wolves. No, you didn't hear me. You listening, but you didn't hear me. Yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever the fuck ever. This is kind of the first time that... Well, I suppose after finding out he had PCP was in a system was probably the first time he realized who he was dealing with. Uh, Jake realized that Alonzo wasn't who he thought he was. This is probably the second time where he's like, oh, okay, this, uh, this isn't what I expected. He operates outside the system. But, you know, maybe it's warranted. That's what he's got to find out for the next 45 minutes or so. Well, you think, too, like, it is kind of true. Like, they're in investigations. Like, yeah, they can't be just going stopping all the street crime. Like, they are, you know, in there to catch the biggest, you know, offenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could definitely see uh, him having, you know, those low-level drug dealers as informants and letting them kind of operate without you know them getting into trouble you got to go after the source how are you going to get to the source if you don't uh right you got to figure out how everything works how the operation works you got to get some low-level informants to uh tell you how the operation works yeah if you just take the dealers off the street they're just going to be replaced by new dealers like mm-hmm. you got to go after the big fish like he said you go to the the top of the food chain then again we find out alonzo is just in it for the money anyways so (laughs) it doesn't really matter and then he just fucks over anybody who gets in the way (laughs) like uh snoop dog what was snoop's name in this i forget it i said it earlier but i forgot what it was blue I don't think they ever said it actually, but yeah, Ethan Hawke, can I get some some crack? <laughs> I smell bacon in here. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, rookie. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. He's in a wheelchair. He looks like he should be in a wheelchair. He's so fucking skinny. Like yeah, it's, it's believable. <laughs> pretty funny how he he could tell right away that he was a cop and then he was a rookie because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. So this is uh, like the first time that Jake really kind of takes it upon himself to skirt the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, they, he chases Blue into a wig shop, like a Korean wig, wig shop. Drops him in the, he drops him out of his wheelchair, which was pretty hilarious. And then uh, he's, he swallows the rocks. Blue swallows the rocks that he was selling. And... uh Denzel comes in with his ballpoint pen and <laughs> gets those rocks back. But uh, I don't think I'd seen that technique done before. Uh, I saw this movie, and it's funny because like he holds up the pen and Snoop knows exactly what he's going to do. That's that's why I thought he knew Denzel from before. Like I think they've worked together or they've they've interacted before. Um, so. But yeah, and then he, he's got a loaded gun on him and he's like, 10 years for every bullet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's just flicking, flicking him out of the, the clip. That and, would not uh, hold up in court. The ballistics <laughs> would be all off. The gun would, you could tell the gun wasn't fired and, you know, that day and whatnot. There's no powder burns on his, on his hands. Well, I don't know if it was, 
like he was saying that the the bullets were like he was, if he was trying to imply that they were fired or if it was just like for every bullet you have in your loaded gun they had 10 years i thought it was fire because he was taking them out of the clip saying 10 years every every time yeah but they clearly weren't fired yeah <laughs> but i don't know eventually they get they get snoop to uh spit out that uh the sandman is the guy they want i don't even remember <laughs> what the whole situation was but um i think denzel knew that this guy had money somewhere right so yeah he gets the the dude's name finds out he's in county but his woman or his wife or his girlfriend or whoever is uh at home and uh they're gonna go serve a search warrant <laughs> which is just a chinese menu that was on the windshield after they had breakfast mm-hmm. <laughs> they get the money first and then they see the three wise men right it's trying to get my order down yeah, so they go. The three wise men give them the order for Rogers or the the search warrant for Rogers' house. Yeah, so and they pay them off with the money from Macy Gray. They go to San Sandman's house and see Macy Gray, and then from there they go to the jungle, and that's where we meet Ava Mendez. Mm-hmm. So Denzel and Ava Mendez have a little rendezvous, <laughs> a little <laughs> afternoon delight. Well, well, Jake babysits their kid. This seems like the longest day ever because it's like he gets up, he goes to meet some for breakfast. They have breakfast. They get the weed. You know, he smokes the PCP. He's high forever. Goes right. to Roger's house, drinks. And, you know, Roger's drinking, you know, the best. $300 a glass. Yeah. Willy nilly just drinking all day, I guess. And then he like passes on the car after drinking some beer and he drinks a beer when he wakes up. And it's like, that's all before, like, that's already happened. <laughs> and then, and then, like, then, when, then they go to, you know, Macy Gray's and the three wise men. And it's still like, because it shows the sun is rising. Okay. The, you know, the day is still getting started. And then it'll show like the sun slowly going down. Like, I thought the sun started setting while he was at Ava's house. Maybe after but, uh, when they, but when then they, they go to the, but then they go to the, the three wise men and it's like midday. Yeah. <laughs> Like a lot of hours the, in the day during the, these training days have a lot of hours, yeah. I guess. I like when he valets the car and he's like, it's the, the Monte Carlo with the gunshots in the back window. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they had to blast their way out of Macy Gray's neighborhood after Denzel stole her money. Yeah. Probably like $40,000 or something. Yeah, with his fake fucking uh, search warrant. Yeah, so um, what the the wise men gave him the permission to tax uh, Roger. Yeah, because they provided a a search warrant. So they can um, pay off the Russians. So he can pay off the Russians. (laughs) Yeah. So Roger has his insurance policy, which is like $3 million in the floor of his kitchen, like buried under Mm -hmm. the floor of his kitchen. Yeah, over four million. Which how much like how long was that stuff there? Cause like it was all like under like the the floor and like they had a dig way underneath it. And that's like how often is this guy redoing his kitchen floor if he's gotta get money out? 
And uh, so, yeah, should we get to the raid here? Yep. I think so he meets can. up with his crew, his bad boy crew, as uh, Dr. Dre put it, this behind the scenes thing, interviewing like this is during the when they're making the movie and like, you know, publicity for the movie and whatnot. He's like, I'm part of Denzel's, you know, bad cop crew. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's a spoiler. You shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> The way he said it, you could just tell like he was like, I'm part of like the the villain crew, and I'm like, you, right. no, you should. <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, Doctor Dre is not the strongest actor either. No, he's not good in here. And, Snoop uh, Dogg was fine. Yeah, and Snoop had a smaller role, I think. But um, I don't. Well, maybe not. They were probably about equal uh, as far as screen time. I think. But like in, in the course of the story, Dr. Dre might have been more important. But I like how uh, Alonzo made a point of saying, um, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, Jake, just so you know, I got a I got a legit search warrant this time. You feel better about it? And they go in the back way, like they park a few blocks away and coming through the back the backyard. And like mm-hmm. Jake doesn't recognize the house at all until they're inside it. Although he was right to do that, though, because Scott Glenn did have that pistol tucked in the newspaper. Like, he just does that at all times. <laughs> Reads the newspaper all day with a gun tucked inside of it. I mean, he, uh, he says he, he's close to retiring and going to the Philippines or whatever, but yeah. like, what's he doing now? Like, he just sits there like in his bathrobe and drinks all day? Living the dream. <laughs> like, like, what's keeping you from leaving now? <laughs> So yeah, they uh, tells his crew to watch Roger while they uh, go in the in the kitchen and do some digging, find the money, come back out, and you know they're joking around and they should you know shoot Roger. You know he's saying he's just going to tax him a little bit. And he does make the comment that uh, you know, your first day hit a three million dollar bust, yeah. which means that one point whatever million is going missing, quote unquote. Right. But everyone's getting a quarter mil. But there's like. So, okay, so you got that green guy, he's got the darker hair, you got Dre, Hoyt, Denzel, that's five at least, right? So that's five. So, so. 1.25 for them. Although he's got to, you know, actually give a million to the Russians. Yeah. And he does take Jake's money, so he's got half a mil there. Jake but... doesn't feel comfortable taking it, but everybody else does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm very we comfortable. Feel... <laughs> exactly they're like what are they still doing like i know they can make more money you know doing the same thing but this was like a i wouldn't say once in a lifetime but it seemed like this is maybe the biggest one they've ever pulled at least like top five and like they maybe do three or four of these their entire careers yeah it sounds like it's like an every week thing for them though (laughs) 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 they get i don't know how many new guys they bring in <laughs> it seems like every week they'll be doing this over and over again yeah maybe that's what the tv series was did you ever watch the tra- training day tv series no i forgot about that i think it only lasted like a season if that maybe half a season i never watched it but like you know. is it executive produced by antoine fuqua the director of training day <laughs> i'm not sure 
Let me see if I can find it. I think it, I saw it was based on characters created by David Ayer. Hmm. Or based on the screenplay by David Ayer. Like, I don't know how you could stretch Training Day out. Oh, Bill Paxton was in it. I, that's why they ended it, I think, because he died. I see. But I think it was reversed. I think the white cop was the the bad cop on the TV show. So I think before we get into our next couple of clips and Alonzo shooting Roger, we can talk about the Rampart scandal and uh, the real-life people that kind of inspired Denzel, who he kind of loosely based Alonzo on. So Alonzo said he loosely based it off of Officer Rafael Perez, who was the key figure of the Rampart scandal. Now, Perez was Puerto Rican, but he was known associate of the Blood Gang. Um, he did a lot of things like Alonzo does, you know, fake testimony. Uh, he sold around $800,000 of drugs from the police lockup you know, back into circulation. So he's selling drugs that they would confiscate, doing fake testimony uh, connected to uh, different murders and, uh, you know, assaults, robberies, um, also connected to Tupac and Biggie's murder, getting that a little bit. But uh, after they caught him, he basically turned on everyone else. And so he was kind of like the main uh, witness for the Rampart scandal in which over 70 cops were either assigned or associated with the Rampart crash unit, which is the community resources against street hoodlums, anti-gang <laughs> unit of the LAPD. Now this is all happening in the late nineties. So this would have you know, been right before the movie. Yeah. David Ayer. I also uh, read that uh, he grew up in that Rampart area of LA, which is like West downtown LA. And, um, yeah, the police corruption was rampant in the Rampart division. So uh, 58 cops were either brought uh, before the board or, you know, um, implicated out of that 70 from what I saw. And uh, there was another cop named uh, Reggie White Jr. who was also a main member of this corruption and that he would uh, he'd do security for death row records. <laughs> And there's officially only one other cop that was paid uh, for security for death row. That's because he, he uh, filed some sort of release form with the LAPD saying, you know, I'm going to go do this, you know, extra security work after hours, that sort of thing. You know, I think all cops are supposed to do that. Right. But there was plenty of other cops that just worked for death row and they would give them 75 bucks an hour, just cash. <laughs> And David Wright Jr. or sorry, Reggie White Jr. He's kind of gone back and forth on different testimony when he's been talking about the Tupac and Biggie murders. There's different uh, interviews with him. There's like this Tupac, who killed Tupac and Biggie. That was a show like a few years ago. And there's another documentary I think from 2020. You know, there was those older ones from the early 2000s and mid 2000s, but he was claiming that uh, the cars that or should say there was, I saw some interviews with Reggie White Jr. And also this other cop who was one of the security personnel. And they talk about the night of Tupac's murder. So yeah, he was saying that they, they all had these next walkie talkies and 
right after Tupac was shot, he heard over the radio saying, got him. And someone else just after that saying, like, you know, don't be talking on the radios. And so these were all the, I mean, it's possible to someone else on the same frequency, but it's probably the other guys uh, who were involved because the guy who heard it was told to stay behind. He was actually commanded to stay behind because he wouldn't give up his gun. For some reason, like they talk about how the security detail with Tupac was supposed to give up their guns. And that was an odd request because it was the first time like the heads of security had told them to get rid of their guns. And there was a, a car that pulled right in front of uh, Shook and Tupac's car right at the red light. So they couldn't go forward and then they got boxed in and that's when they got shot. And, you know, Shook did get grazed with the bullet. And what's alleged basically is that these cops or the Perez was involved and that these cops try to kill both of them because they wanted to take over death row. Now, do they, do they know that Tupac is what makes money for death row? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they don't need it. Uh, there yeah. was also oh, I saw uh, like how also, did death how did death row do after Tupac died? Like, <laughs> like not good. Well, no, he still sold a lot of records, especially you know that's when you make the money. Well, it he, helped he, that he died had, in debt to death row. Well, it helped that Tupac had recorded like two thousand songs before he mm-hmm. died too. You know that's gonna up the sales when you kill him off. It was a business decision. <laughs> I guess so. But um, there was another uh, quote I saw from somebody saying that uh, there was a, a murder that allegedly Snoop Dogg perpetrated and Perez and some of these other guys destroyed the evidence. Well, murder <laughs> was the case that they gave them. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, I don't know how, you know, you can take all this stuff with a grain of salt, but um then it was also these guys that were involved with uh, Biggie's murder as well. Yeah. They killed him the same way. And it was in LA this time, not Vegas. But um, yeah, they killed him on the on the highway, shot up his car. Yeah, didn't and, they try uh, to make it look like a retaliation or something? Yeah. And I think that what they alleged and what I was watching was that they were trying to kill both Biggie and Puff. And that's that was for the million dollars, and the people who did it didn't get the million because they only killed Biggie. And I've heard a lot of that stuff before too. And I've heard from numerous places that people connected to Biggie's murder were connected to the Rampart scandal. And there's actually a movie coming out about uh, some of the people that uh, some of like the whistleblowers or like the other cops investigating this and saying that it was these dirty cops like Perez and David Wright Jr. and some of these other guys I forget the name of the film and who's in it but it was somebody with a name I want to say it was maybe Michael Keaton or something was doing it yeah I'm not somebody sure was if I, I'm not I think sure if I think I Russ Poole was the name of one of the cops that was uh, investigating this okay. and um, I know the city of LA had to pay like it was a little over a million for suppressing or destroying evidence since uh in the case in the the biggie murder case god and now they're saying that they especially can't get caught with this shit now because the city of la would basically go bankrupt because for the murders of biggie and you know tupac too they would be liable for 
billion or billions of dollars in lost revenue for music, the music industry. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of money to be made or saved or lost, depending on which way you look at it and who's losing it or making it with this uh, Biggie and Tupac thing and the whole Rampart scandal. Maybe the city of LA can do like OJ and move to Florida or Vegas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Set up an LLC in Florida. <laughs> I like OJ LAPD LLC. I like how OJ Simpson on Twitter just weighs in on all the big uh, legal news of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like he knows all the stuff in and out, like all the <laughs> like. This is what's going to happen in this murder trial here. You got to wait for all the evidence. You, know? no, you got to work the jury. Okay. That's first and foremost. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> You're giving away too much right there. Says the guy who filmed an interview where he described how he would have killed his ex-wife if he had killed his ex-wife. <laughs> There's that whole book, you know, if I did it. <laughs> no, I don't think they ever released the book, but they, yeah, they, I think they he wrote it, but then they're at the last minute, like, yeah, we, you know, there was too many complaints or something. Well, his attorney is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stop. I think it would have opened them. I can't remember if that was before or after the, the judgment in the civil case. I think it was years. I think it was years after, but yeah, because yeah. I think the, the Brown family wanted the, um, the uh revenue from it did you see the uh there's a movie that came out i I think it was like straight to showtime came out like a couple years ago now i think it was like the case of nicole brown simpson It, it basically implied that there was another serial killer who was kind of involved like he moved in next door or something or like he did some work on the house for nicole and like it was implied that either he acted alone or in conjunction with OJ to kill Nicole and um, and Ron Goldman. And mm. uh, like at the end, they show all these like clips of OJ talking about like if I did it, and he's like <laughs> saying this other guy's name, and like and then this guy came in and he sliced his throat, and like oh. and then I cut her head off. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like implied that they worked together to do it. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. It's like a it's a shitty like made for TV type of movie, but uh, it's interesting, um, you know, to think about. Yeah, to kind of wrap up this Rampart discussion, there's also a movie called Rampart, starring Woody uh, Harrelson. Or I saw it a long time ago on Netflix. I think it came out around 2010, 2012 ish. Woody was good in it, but it was pretty forgettable. But he just plays a dirty cop. I think that's and it was one that inspired I've, by the Rampart scandal. Yeah, that's one that I've like had queued up a bunch of times, but never actually watched. Mm-hmm. Also, a little fun fact. Here's a fun fact: uh, the license plate of Alonzo's Monte Carlo is ORP nine six seven. That's apparently stands for Officer Rafael Perez, who was born in nineteen sixty seven. Subtle. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they do kind of. I, I remember them doing like a close up on the license plate when they're showing the car. 
Yeah. But I, I didn't think of anything of it at the time, of course, but. Right. It's not like super obvious. It actually yeah. is subtle. That was, I, I said it jokingly, but it actually is subtle. No. Um, and now I don't know if you saw the reports. This is probably two, three months ago. Uh, there's some reports of Latino officers in the LAPD and like their Eastern division being connected with the Latino gangs in that area. And they're kind of, no, it think seems like it's, that. it seems like it's kind of rampart all over again. <laughs> I forget they had a name for themselves too. Like these cops are part of like a, it's like a gang for cops, but they're associated with like the Latin Kings and whatnot. Yeah. And other gangs in the area, Latino gangs. God. I forget what they're calling themselves, but they're basically gang members with badges. And so it just reminded me of, oh, so it's like Rampart all over again. Oh, man. As if like LAPD doesn't have a bad enough reputation. Yeah. yeah. There's more of that shit. So, yeah, this, I mean, this wasn't based on a true story verbatim, but you can tell that the stuff that Denzel's doing, you know, you know, Rafael Perez and some of these other cops do stuff like that all the time. Right. And it could like, even be going on today. It's not like fantasy. <laughs> like, like this stuff actually happens. Like stuff like this for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially back then. Um, I, I don't know, maybe still today, even though there's been attempts to clean up policing, but I don't know. It's, it's just too tempting for some people, you know, get some power and you know, you abuse it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, let's get to our next two clips here. I'll just play them back to back since they're both about killing Roger. Because basically, uh, you know, they joke around about, oh, Jake, you should shoot Roger. And then Alonzo actually does. <laughs> Once you're done, you got to do it yourself. Well, that's their alibi. Is mm-hmm. uh, They're setting up their, their story. So when they, you know, get asked about it later, about what happened, um, they can justify shooting Roger and uh, they're going to put it on Jake. Mm-hmm. The following clip is taken in the car where Alonzo justifies it to Jake. So I'll play both of those now. All right, listen, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. Okay, here's a scenario Mark and Paul, you kick the door. Jeff's the first one through. Roger opens fire, hits Jeff twice, right? Fuck. Yeah. Matter one go through? Shit. Yeah, man, you shot him. You fucking shot me, man. All right, all right, you'll get a medal. Don't worry about it. Get me an ambulance. Hey, 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 hey. You want to go to jail? You want to go home? All right, here's the scenario, all right? Let me quarterback this thing. Mark, Paul, you kick the door in. Jeff's the first one through. Roger opens fire, bang, bang. It's Jeff twice. Our new guy, Hoyt, he's in second. Drops Roger with some fine shotgun work. Who shot Roger? New guy came in spraying. Paul. Boot shot him. What'd you guys see? Hoyt blasting. Yeah, fuck Hoyt, okay? Ambulance time. Done. Paul, call him up. 1149998. Shots fired. Officer down. Congratulations, son. You're gonna get a medal of battle for this. I didn't shoot him. Room full of cops said you did. But I didn't. You did. A Los Angeles Police Department narcotics officer was killed today, serving a high-risk warrant in Echo Park. Give me the bitch. 
LAPD spokesperson said the officer is survived by his wife and infant child. Shit gets deeper. You get the picture? Yeah, I got the picture. Hey, hey, that is the second time you pointed a gun at me. There will not be a third. God damn, boy. That's what I'm talking about, Jake. My nigga, are y'all watching this? That's it. It'll be my pleasure to put a hydra shock in that hey, melon. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. No, but I'm gonna be cool. I dropped the fucking gun. Now! You wanna shoot me, Paul? Go ahead, but I'm taking him with me. I'm going, Alonzo. This motherfucker's a fed, man. Nah, he ain't no fed. He's just a quiet boy with a heart that got the drop on all you fools. Listen, everybody just take a deep breath and just defuse this thing. You hear me, Jake? You can't pull this shit on me, man. I didn't sign up for this. Okay, okay, I know you're angry. Everybody, put your guns down. Hell no. No, 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 no. Quiet boy first. Hey, listen to me. Put the guns down. That's an order. Put them down. Use your ears and you hear me, Jake. Sometimes we gotta take this shit all away. It's not like we do this every day, all right? It's just the nature of the business. And no one will ever ask you again to pull the trigger if you don't want to, all right? Hey, Mark, where are you transferring to? SIS. SIS. Detective. You give me 18 months, I give you a career. We make the big seizures, Jake. We make the big arrests. But if you're in my unit, you gotta be in it all the way or not at all. You understand me? I mean, I thought you were man enough to handle this shit. I guess I was wrong. Five proven decorated officers says that you're the shooter, okay? The investigators are gonna wanna pull a tube of your blood to check for intoxicants. What are they gonna find, Jake? Do the math. You've been smoking PCP all day, haven't you, huh? Remember? You've been planning this all day? I've been planning it all week, son. You talk that crazy shit, I'll make sure your blood gets to the lab. You wanna walk your little baby nuts around the block, you won't make it to the corner, but if you're cool, if you're cool, you're a hero. You're a virgin shooter above suspicion. Alonzo, there's two shots left in that other stinger. We need to just kill your no, boy right no, now and say no, Roger got him coming through the door. No, we ain't killing nobody. This is a good man right here. He's got the magic eye. I can feel it. Just had a little freak out, that's all. We all been there. No, I say he's cool. And I say nobody's going to hurt him. Look at his little baby nuts. <laughs> that line. There is the uh, here's the next clip. It behooves you not to dick around with this one. Justifiable homicide and lied it to me, okay? Now what happened was what happened was murder and armed robbery. Oh wait, we we had badges, so it's different. Oh mm. son, can't open your eyes. Can't you see? Huh? That man was your friend. And you killed him like a fly. <laughs> Come on, my friend, huh? Yeah. Tell me why. Because he knows my first name? Son, this is the game. I'm playing his ass. That's my job. That's your job. Roger sold dope to kids. The world is a better place without him. Hey, this man was the biggest major violator in Los Angeles. I watched that cocksucker operate with impunity for over 10 years, and now I got it. The shit's chess, it ain't checkers. What you think we gonna do? What we gonna, we gonna roll up in the black and white, huh? Slap the cuffs on them, you're under arrest. That's a high roller, dog. 
take the money. I, mean, I already told you I'm not going to take that. Take I'm not going to take okay, that. Okay, don't. Just burn it. Barbecue it. Fish fry it. I don't give a fuck, but the boys will feel better. About it. Fuck their feelings. Jake, you're not making them feel like you're part of the team. The team? You guys are fucking insane. All right, I'll go back to the valley. I'll cut parking tickets, you know? Like this. It is this way, man. I'm sorry I exposed you to it, but it is. It's ugly, but it's necessary. I became a cop to put away drug dealers, the poisoners, the criminals, not to be one. Sounds just like me. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. You're scared. I'm not scared. Yes, you are. You're terrified. Everybody goes through that the first time I went through it. The sooner you can match what's in your head. What's going on in the real world, the better you're gonna feel. In this business, you gotta have a little dirt on you for anybody to trust you. And when all this is behind you, there's gonna be a whole other world that opens up for you. I walk a higher path, son. I can give you the keys to all the doors. What are you talking about? My guys are pretty. But they're not leaders, they're clowns. You're a leader. You want my job? You got it. You want to lock up poisonous? This is the best place to do it. But you gotta just, you know, take your time. You make detective. You play the game. You grow wise. And then you can change things. So he reels him back in there. <laughs> yeah, he does. But uh, not for long. <laughs> Takes him to the... Uh latin part of town he's <laughs> <laughs> got an informant he's got to take care of him bring some stuff for the family and uh as long as they don't get you know shanked on their way into the party which they have to walk up like a million sets of stairs past all these different party goers <laughs> that are giving them the evil eye yeah bunch of uh the cholos are uh, <laughs> hanging out they're leaning <laughs> they're leaning <laughs> and uh so jake gets left with um a group of them who are playing cards and if you've seen any movies featuring mexican gangbangers you've seen all of these actors mm-hmm. many many times yeah. because it's like the same three guys in every movie about mexican uh, gang members yeah, Smiley has played uh, Pablo Escobar before, which I know Colombian, but yeah, the the shit pushing guy, the sniper, he yeah. I remember him from uh, Clear and Present Danger. As part of the, do you ever seen Clear and Present Danger? I don't think so. I think that's the one that I had on my list for a while. Just never watched it. It's okay. Um, he, he actually plays a like U.S. Special Forces operative. Um, and then the other guy, though, I feel like this is where he kind of took off. It was like after this, then he was, you know, Mexican gang member or you know, <laughs> Latino gang member in every movie after this. Yeah, let me see who the, the other guy was. Um, so uh, Noel Guglielmi, he was the bald guy. Yep. Um, his character name was Moreno. Cliff Curtis is 
Smiley. And then um, Raymond Cruz is Sniper. And I think today Raymond Cruz is most known for Breaking Bad and Better Call yep. Saul. Yep. Played uh, Tuco. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I've seen him in some older stuff too. And like, and he might not have even been playing a gang member in, the, in those things um, that I've seen him in. But I mean, he's been around since the 80s. Yeah. See, Alonzo pays them off to murder Jake. Says he's bringing stuff, you know, for the community. He has to help a community, you know. You may not think it, but I try to help out the community. <laughs> right. Because he has like a blender and like a stereo or something. And they're like, the blender's just full of money. Right. And he actually, you can hear him talking about it earlier in the day because he, you'd hear him talking to Smiley and he's saying, uh, telling him to keep the tub clean. Oh, yeah. I, I think I might have missed that part. I know when they were at Macy Gray's house, they went into the trunk and he's like, oh, look at all this stuff I got for my informants. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's the stuff he pulls out later. Um, yeah, he's on the cell phone um, with Smiley. It's earlier in the movie. I forget, uh, but like Jake walks up and I was just talking to him, like, yeah, keep that tub clean and blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of gets off the phone. Okay. Was that at like, was that like when they stopped at Ava Mendez's place? Uh, Maybe. I don't remember. I can't remember. But anyways, it was much earlier in the movie. Is before Killing Roger, all that. Actually, Raymond Cruz, I'm looking at his IMDb. I know he was in Gremlins 2. He was in The Rock. Should we both we covered both of those? Mm-hmm. He's in Alien Resurrection, which I have not seen. Yeah, anyways, I just noticed he was this is a, at least the third movie of his that we've talked about. But yeah, so uh Alonzo excuses himself to use the facilities. <laughs> and uh Alonzo's taking a shit. It'll be a while. <laughs> play one hand. <laughs> We don't play for money because this guy cheats. <laughs> like a duper. <laughs> hey, you're stupid. You don't win. Cereal? <laughs> Cereal, Holmes. Three of a kind beats two pair. What? <laughs> so, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, eventually they, they realize that Alonzo is not coming back. Like he's he's gone. Like not only is he not in the bathroom, he's not in the house, and his car is long gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of get an idea of what the plan was. Uh, and it's also it's, around the time that uh, the Baldy uh, takes his gun. I just want to yeah. see. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, let me see your piece, man. Uh, and then. Uh, what smiley's got the same gun but it's a different color or something like i've seen his gun i haven't seen your gun (laughs) and then uh so like jake just voluntarily gives up his gun Mm -hmm. like one guy takes the gun the other guy takes the clip and uh and then he's fucked almost literally Mm -hmm. that leads us to our next clip (laughs) based on their conversation (laughs) alonzo he's a hothead Last week in Vegas, some Russian starts talking shit. Alonzo, he just snapped. He just asked to death. Well, it turns out that Russian, he's a somebody. 
Now, Alonso, he's into the Russians for a million. How do you know that? <clears throat> they gave Alonso till tonight to pay up. But his name's still on the list, eh? Nobody thought he could get cash that big. Good thing he got his blood money, because there's a crew on standby. If he don't turn up downtown with the cash by midnight and not a minute after, your vato, he's dead. Hey, pig, you ever had your shit pushed in? <laughs> your shit pushed in. Simple question. Nah? No. Had my shit pushed in. Oh, yeah, man, I had my shit. Pushed in, bro, big time. Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm always getting love from the homies. <laughs> like how casually he asked it. Hey, pig, you ever had your shit pushed in? I like how casually they admit to both having their <laughs> shit pushed in. Oh yeah, I'm always getting love from the homies. Give <laughs> my shit pushed in. Big time, bro. <laughs> like, it's so cool. You're funny. so into it. Like, I don't think that's uh, something that anybody would, like, be so proud of, uh, especially in their clique, you know? What uh, is it in uh, Oh, Sopranos? I was thinking maybe it was a mob movie. I think it's in Sopranos. You know, they're talking about how uh, you, know, you can't be in a mob and be gay. Like, well, what about prison? Well, they look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> they get a pass for that. You're in prison, you can push people's shit in, but <laughs> if you're a free man, then you end up a dead man. It's like that DMX song, Where the Hood At. <laughs> Rest in peace. Which, which is somehow somehow the most homophobic and the most pro-gay song at the same time <laughs> it just depends on what verse you listen to <laughs> r.i.p dmx i like how all the the woke left-wing people are mourning the loss of dmx it's like <laughs> have you have you heard his music like do you, like, do you know what he, what he used to talk about before he died well, the, the left certainly knew who he really was uh, when he came here and performed for the zombie pub crawl that I attended about, oh, eight years ago, <laughs> something like that, nine years ago. <laughs> he showed up like an hour late, so he can only perform for like half hour and got through Rough Riders okay. Yeah. And the uh, crowd was a little restless because he wasn't very good and he was so late. Somebody threw a water ball at him and he proceeded to call him and other people a bunch of bunch of faggots <laughs> and saw, yeah, a bunch of other people you know throwing slurs at them as well and there's a big article in city pages the next day which is uh people who don't know it's a like a local although didn't it just end like a year ago or yeah. like during covid yeah it's uh it's no more so it was a free uh newspaper for the metro area twin cities metro and it's I don't know, local stories, uh, you know, uh, certain, what do you call it, like public interest pieces, things like that. It's almost like a local BuzzFeed. Yeah. Because it, it, was, was, it was definitely a local HuffPo. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Because it's like it's not like real professional journalism, and uh, they they're real lax with their writing requirements, and uh, like they they put swear words and shit in there, so yeah, to edge it up, make it edgy. Mm. I think it went online only for a while, and then it just shut down like a year ago. COVID killed it. But But uh, they didn't have anything. They didn't have anything to write about. I mean, it was very uh, a very liberal local paper, and uh, they had a big piece about DMX and why he should not be allowed to perform back in Minnesota. <laughs> so they were well aware. Well, he was homophobic getting... tendencies. Well, DMX. Well, it's funny that everybody is like so pro DMX now. Like he was starting to make a comeback, and then he died because he was one of those guys who was like the Illuminati's out to get me. You know, they made up all the charges about his animal, his dog fighting or animal cruelty or whatever. And, uh, like, he just learned how to use the computer in, like, 2015. Have you seen that video where he uses Google for the first time? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Whoa! What what do you mean? It's, like, in there, though. Like, what? how do I put it in there? Like, what? hit Hit this button. Hit this button. Like, he's like... He's like, like, uh, I don't even know it's how like to describe it. Zo- it's like, it's like the scene out of Zoolander. Yeah. Remember files are like... in the computer. <laughs> I were the files in the computer. <laughs> this is scary though. But yeah. Like he was, uh, he was kind of on the outs for a, a long time. And, um, and then he started making a comeback and, and now he's dead. Um, so anyways. on the outs once again <laughs> the illuminati got him they they gave him false hope and then they're like no nope, time to go <laughs> so all right let's try and wrap up the end of the story here we got two clips left and uh yeah they're gonna drag Hoyt into the tub and shoot him and you know dispose of the body but uh they just happen to find smiley's cousin's wallet in his pants right so they call her cousin and she corroborates his version of events and so they give him a pass since he did his cousin a solid <laughs> oh yeah i did almost get raped in an alley by two crackheads and uh this cop came and beat him up what did he look like oh he was a white boy oh okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> it's like honestly it's not the best written uh phone call Mm -hmm. like like it's not very well done but uh it it gets the job done yeah so they they respect Hoyt. they let him go and now Hoyt's kind of on the the war path Mm. what did you just say (laughs) towards alonzo (laughs) (laughs) yeah it leads us to our next clip because he uh sneaks into the house you know he's he has quite the camaraderie with uh, Alonzo's son now. I mean, they like spent best, like five hours pals. together earlier, I guess, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they took a little nap together watching cartoons on the couch. and So he tells him to hide, and then he goes in the back bedroom where that's all Alonzo does at his house is just tax that ass of Ava Mendez. <laughs> well, he's packing, he's packing his money for the Russians. He's packing something. Oh, <laughs> 
lots of things. That's the thing, though. He's really taking his time. He's like, well, I could, you know, fool around with my with Ava Mendez for a while. <laughs> I, don't have, I could make this, you know, I, I could make it 1155. Well, he's got till midnight. <laughs> yeah, but it's like <laughs> we already know, mentioned how long this day has been. <laughs> like, And he's got a, a ways to drive, too, I think. Yeah. Like he's got to go to the airport or something. I mean, I don't think Ava Mendez has to be naked for him to pack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, here's the clip when uh, Jake walks in on him, or I should say, bust down the door on them. You against the wall. Move real slow. Keep your hands where I can see them. I want you to put that money in that bag. Take your weapons and place them inside that pillowcase right there. Congratulations, son. You made it. You passed the test. You're a knock. You're in. Please put the gun down before you give my girl a heart attack. Here, put the gun down. So take the money and put it in that bag. Take your weapons and place them inside that pillowcase. You can fuck your appointment with the Russians. You're not gonna make it. Oh, okay. Okay, hand me the pillowcase, baby. Baby, hand me the pillowcase. So you're gonna hook me and book me, huh? You're the one that was smoking the dust, Jake. You're the one that ran out like a maniac, and you're the one that shot Roger. Here you go. And uh, how about the one on your ankle? You want the one in my back pocket, too? Yeah, I would. You got one problem, though, Jake. You got no witnesses. Who are your fucking witnesses, huh? Roger? Smiley? You think my troops are going to help you? It's not what you know. It's what... You can prove. Yeah. What can you prove, huh? Nothing. Where's your evidence, huh? It's right there. Mm. Struggle ensues. and He didn't account for the shotgun under the bed. Well, he did anticipate it, though. He did dive out of the way. I figured he had a gun hidden around there somewhere. They they get into a little standoff. I don't know why Denzel just didn't shoot him through the pillowcase, because he's like... (laughs) He's handling his own guns and putting them in this, you know, this pillowcase he can't see like inside of. It's not transparent right. at all. Yeah. That's true. But, Although maybe, I don't know. I guess, I guess he could have because he, <laughs> he ends up shooting at him anyways. Because he's very like, like he takes out his, like the one in his, on his back waistband very carefully. Like he holds it up for Jake to see. And then you see him just kind of like shove it in the bag. And it's like, you can't see his hands, what they're doing at all. And right. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Struggle ensues a rooftop uh, fight. Well, well, um, fire Jake, escape fight. <laughs> how about, uh, how about Denzel's kid just wandering out in the middle of the shootout in yeah. the kitchen? And that's how he threatens to shoot him. What a what a piece of shit! If you didn't think he was a piece of shit before, about him threatening to shoot his own kid. Well, he was saying he was telling Jake to not hurt him, protect life, don't hurt him. (laughs) Well, he was saying, take the bullet for my son. Yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna shoot my kid. You better get in front of it. (laughs) But yeah, so like he said. They get into kind of a fist fight, end up going like on the roof, on the roof, roof, it's a hard <laughs> word to say. <laughs> arr, arr. 
<laughs> you just got DMX on the mind. <laughs> you think it's a game? You think it's a fucking game? That's what Chappelle's doing. Ar, ar. <laughs> well, like DMX, when he was on Chappelle's show, uh, Chappelle's like, he's supposed to come in and do one song, but he came in and he did like 10 of them. Like, he just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, R.I.P. DMX. So yeah, uh, Jake Hoyt is, you know, quite the fighter. He's got a lot of willpower, and he's a real tough guy. He's strong safety for North Hollywood High. I really didn't know that. <laughs> I know. I follow all the good players. <laughs> like this dude must be like five years out of high school. This dude well, really likes high school football. <laughs> I mean, he's dealing drugs to kids. Maybe. Yep. Maybe that's why he knows. Let's let's hope he's at the games the dealing, and he you know he watches all the good players, like he let's, says. Let's hope that the reason he knows all the high schoolers is because of drugs and not because of other reasons. <laughs> but, so yeah, um, he kind of. I mean, Alonzo initially gets the best of Jake, but Jake doesn't give up, and then he throws himself on top of Alonzo's car. <laughs> Jake must be concussed because he got knocked out before that. And then he came to <laughs> just in time to prevent Alonzo from driving away. Yeah. And then Alonzo just starts running into other cars to try to dislodge him. Mm-hmm. And he like gets concussed. Yeah. Though, like Jake is thrown off the car again and he's like fine to get up and go and drag Denzel out, whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Denzel, he tries to pay off Jake. No, he tries to pay off all the all the all the people in the neighborhood are coming out of their homes to see what's going on, and he offers to pay anybody to shoot Jake, but nobody will take him up on it. And then uh, Denzel gets real cocky about uh, what Jake's uh, morals are, and he says he has guns on the ground. And uh, Jake is holding him at gunpoint and Denzel's like, well, you're not going to shoot me. And you sure as hell ain't going to shoot me in the back. But he shot him in the ass. (laughs) It's pretty sweet. Uh, Shot me in the ass. (laughs) So I I forget what happened. Somebody got shot in the ass a few, like a year or two ago. And I, I went and pulled that clip so I could put it on the Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) I forget who it was, but it it was funny. Yeah, it kind of leads to our last clip. You know, Denzel wants one of the gang members to shoot uh, Jake, and he'll make him a rich man. And the gang members are like, "You got to put in your own work around here." Right. So Alonzo feels disrespected. He's the man up in this piece. Does he say peace or beast? I think beast. But I mean, this is clearly the most famous soliloquy of the movie mm-hmm. and it's been repeated to death but yeah. it's still fucking great mm-hmm. hey hey jay hey jay 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 come back here jay you disloyal fool ass bitch made punk jay i need my money Jake! 
Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jay! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. shoot me, but you can't kill me. Ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what a day. <laughs> what a motherfucking day. <laughs> Russians determined that was a lie. <laughs> you can shoot me, but they can't kill me. It seems like it should be the end of the movie, but um, yeah, <laughs> there's more. I like the resolution. I like the, I mean, they were talking about the Russians, the whole movie. I would true, be, true. Would be uh, I feel it'd be rude if they didn't show up and put about a hundred holes in the Alonzo. Although like it's, it's a small miracle that his car still runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I forgot that there was the scene where he gets lit up by the Russians and I'm like, didn't he just disable his car? Like what's he driving his car again? But uh, yeah, he gets. I I don't know if he was going to the drop or where he was going, but uh, he's probably just gonna go to the airport and leave since he didn't have the money anymore. Yeah, of course nobody's gonna bat an eye at this dude who's bleeding out of his ass. (laughs) 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 Walking through the airport, his busted up face. But uh, he gets stopped at like the world's longest red light, and uh, yeah, he ends up getting boxed in. You know, that old thing. And uh, how many times do you think he got shot? About 300? Sorry, what's that? How many times do you think he got shot? About 300? Something like that. It was a real Bonnie and Clyde situation going on there. (laughs) Very much so. Although, I guess Bonnie and Clyde were real pieces of shit, too. (laughs) (laughs) I watched the movie The Highwayman the other uh, two weeks ago. You seen no, that? no, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It was, it was okay. You know, always nice to see Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. You know, our friend Steve from Movie Drone loves a bit of Woody. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how they wrapped it up, too. Like, Jake finally gets home. Like, this is the longest training day ever. Like, he had to work from 10 a.m. to midnight. Like, with- on his first day (laughs) (laughs) and like his wife's not calling i'm like where are you at why why aren't you coming home not as many people had cell phones doesn't look like uh, hoyt has a cell phone i guess not 
but like they they do the the police broadcast and it's the exact thing that um denzel was saying earlier you know yep. officer alonzo um i forget his last name but uh he was killed serving a high-risk warrant which <laughs> i guess if you hear that in la that's code for um dirty cop with murdered doing dirty cop shit yeah is there anything else you want to talk about or you want to get into fun facts no i think that covers the movie itself we can get into the fun facts hey everybody here's some fun facts i didn't think about this till now but uh a little fun fact here with the spoilers you know alonzo early on he asks hoyt if he has a backup gun something pocket-sized so when Hoyt says no, only the Breda, Alonzo replies, good, good. So he's making sure Hoyt does have another weapon to worry about later. Yeah. I mean, that's the foreshadowing is fantastic mm-hmm. of, of their planned um, scheme, I guess you would call it. Um, so during the scene where Jake plays cards with the Latino gangsters, director Ant- Antoine Fuqua gave it certain instructions to the actors playing the gangsters without telling Ethan Hawke this was done to further confuse him and add to the tension of the scene. Although, to be fair, I don't think it takes much to uh, confuse Ethan Hawke. <laughs> he just kind of looks confused. I, I was going to mention about Ethan Hawke. Do you remember a couple years ago, you know, he split up with Uma Thurman and um, the New York Knicks told him that he would have to start paying... For his, ba- <laughs> for his basketball tickets. Yeah, it's funny. And he made a big stink about it. And he's like, I'm never going to see a Knicks game again. And then <laughs> you find out it's because they told me how to start paying for his seats. He's like, you're a little piece of shit. Well, so you're not bringing Uma to the arena anymore. So <laughs> nobody really gives a fuck about you. He's like, I'm a lifelong Knicks fan. And, Knicks fan, and this is how they do me. Like, nobody cares about you. Like, pay for your seats. Here's a fun fact. The line, King Kong ain't got shit on me, was ad-libbed by Denzel Washington. Hmm. That's like the most famous line in this movie, probably. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. So T. Rogers, the founder of the Black Pea Stones Bloods in Baldwin Village, a.k.a. the Jungles in Los Angeles, was on set for all of the filming in his neighborhood and allowed the producers to use his neighborhood in exchange for casting gang members. Here's another fun fact. So in here it says that it's, uh, you know, he asked earlier when he's talking to Smiley, telling him about the bathtub. Here it says that it's right before Hoyt gets in Alonzo's car following Roger's murder. So in between those two clips that we played. Okay, yeah. So I guess that would have been after the murder, of course, but felt like it was earlier for me i thought maybe but that makes sense though because it would be yeah. after after hoyt refused to shoot roger yeah and then after he pointed a gun at alonzo mm-hmm. so alonzo was like gotta get out of here because i was thinking like well technically in the early part of the day he doesn't have to worry about killing him necessarily he just has right. to you know drug him up and have him be Roger's killer. That's it. He doesn't have to kill him necessarily. Uh, when the movie came out, many viewers and critics were skeptical of the scenes where Jake Hoyt smokes marijuana laced with PCP. 
and Alonzo's explanation of how a cop who didn't take drugs offered to him on the street would be ID'd as police and murdered. David Ayer responded in an interview by holding up a highlighted section of the LAPD's rules and regulations. It stated that officers were allowed were allowed to use narcotics in very specific undercover situations and hewed closely to what Alonzo told Jake. Hmm. I mean, why would uh, why would people question that? Have they not heard the song Deep Cover? <laughs> Smoking this motherfucker G. Been dealing with you for three motherfucking months, and I ain't seen you hit the pipe in front of me yet. <laughs> I think you're five zero. <laughs> I'm not seeing it uh, here in the trivia, but um, you know, you're asking earlier about well, why would they? These guys think that they can just take over Death Row Records, that type of a thing. Yeah. What was the legend? What uh, this documentary I was watching is that. So I don't think it was Perez, but one of the cops was working security was having a relationship with Shug's ex, who was also, I think, uh, the manager of Snoop at the time. Okay. So I think they were going to try and break away and do their own thing. Well, I think and Snoop was, I think Snoop was a crip and, uh, yeah. Shug Knight was a blood. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. But it's also, they think, uh, Perez was a blood or at least associated. There was, there's, I saw some pictures of him, you know, wearing some red stuff, but. Although it wasn't think, like all red. It was like yeah. something that was mostly red. When did they all, didn't they all squash their beef at some point? And they'd be like, uh, they just decided to go after the white people instead. Um, you know, you see those pictures of them with their uh, rags tied together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they have like a big picnic or something? <laughs> They had a lock-in at the community center. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> it was uh, it was organized by uh, what Wheels and uh, what was the name for the other one? And Jimmy. Oh, it was uh, Jimmy and Timmy, but it was like called you know Timmy Wheels, and then uh, they, they called Jimmy Legs or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> the lock-in at the community center. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> Here's another fun fact. So before Antoine Fuqua was involved in the project, Davis Guggenheim was set to direct with Samuel L. Jackson as Detective Sergeant Alonzo Harris and Matt Damon as rookie officer Jack, uh, Jake Hoyt. When Denzel Washington accepted the role as Detective Sergeant Alonzo Harris, Guggenheim was replaced per his request. Samuel L. Jackson would later voice the character of Officer Frank Tenpenny in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and also based on Raphael Perez. Mm. That last sentence didn't make any sense. I assume (laughs) they mean another character based on Raphael Perez. So ready for a Roger's snail joke? You can can tell. Okay, well... This is the fun fact about the joke. The, uh, the snail joke he tells Jake Symbolically means the man represents the streets and the snail represents just another random person falling victim to the streets. The size difference between the two represents how big the streets are and how small we are. The big guy kicks this little tiny helpless snail and breaks the shell showing how easy it is for the streets to tear you up. 
The joke means that street life will run you over and tear you to pieces and won't even remember or care the next second. You're just another victim, you know, a tiny snail in the way. No matter who you are or what you've been through, on the streets, you're just another person. When the snail comes back, the man, the streets, doesn't give him any respect. The streets will tear you up and not think twice. Don't expect any respect in the streets, regardless of who you are or what you've been through. It seems like they just kind of uh, said the same thing twice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can see it, but. It's very deep for a story about a snail yeah. that, craw- <laughs> that crawls around a house. Although, you know, Scott Glenn did say you figure that joke out, you figure the streets out. Yeah. <laughs> he also sold drugs to little kids. <laughs> <laughs> and started drinking at 8 a.m. <laughs> all about smiles and cries <laughs> you got any more here nothing too interesting I mean there's a lot of stuff that's all this so and so was out for the part they turned it down now they yeah. always say that and then you always take that with a grain of salt and then there's there's some uh, like Denzel won the best actor academy award there's some stuff about that he was like the first black actor to win the academy award for best actor mm-hmm. he'd already well, won for best supporting yeah. for yeah. glory but and hattie mcdaniel was the first black person to win an acting oscar for gone with the wind well sydney points he ever win oscars yeah he did which is why um i, I think they just considered like the modern era because he won uh, best actor for in the heat of the night yeah well, it says uh, in here it was unique because Denzel was a black actor working for a black director. Okay. Which I don't know, but I I feel like they made a big deal about it. like he was the first black actor. Maybe, maybe they said African American because I guess Sydney Poitier maybe not. Oh wait, hold on a not... second. I stand corrected. Rod Steiger got Best Actor in the Leading Role for In the Heat of the Night. Oh, okay. Maybe if Sydney won any, it was all for supporting. So he didn't even win for supporting. I thought Sydney was Oscar winner. Maybe not. I thought I thought he was too. Maybe he got an honorary one later. Didn't uh, says he's an Oscar. Okay, wait. He's okay. Lilies of the field. He won in '64. He won a few years earlier than that. Okay. This actor in a leading role. Maybe Denzel was the first to win a supporting and a leading. Yeah. He was also an honorary award winner in 02. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it says Oscar winner, 64. Leading role. Did Halle Berry win her Oscar the same year as Denzel? Uh, I think that was... Or was that the year before, maybe? Maybe the year after. I can't remember. You know, her Monsters Ball one. Yeah, it would have been the same year because this came out in 01. Unless they pushed it because of 9 11. They said this uh, film's release was pushed up to October from November because of 9 11. Because there was a like collateral damage moved around oh, with yeah, Arnold yeah. and, you know. 
Yeah, any airplane movies and stuff. I remember after 9-11, like, they banned a bunch of songs from the radio. Like, anything that mentioned an airplane was, they, they stopped playing on the radio. Yeah. But. So, yeah, yeah. that year, uh, both uh, Black Man and Black Woman won the both uh, big lead acting categories. I think I saw in the lead up to this year's Oscars, somebody played Halle Berry's speech about, you know, how she's like the the first of many or whatever like she can't wait to see all the people of color to come after her to win oscars and like Mm -hmm. she was the last one to do it yeah (laughs) although in the lead role in the lead role well i think like lupita nyong'o won best supporting okay i think this year they gave it to um the asian woman for that uh for best supporting yeah was that supporting or was yeah, that Francis Francis McDormand oh, got lead third win? I saw people talking about that that they forgot that she had won it like two years ago, so they gave her another one. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I didn't see any of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture this year, so uh, I saw one. I, was, I still would like to see Mank. Um, I'll probably see Nomadland. Not sure if I'm going to like it or not, but those are the ones I'd see. I saw. I already saw Judas and the Black Messiah. That was the one I'd seen. Yeah, I didn't get around. I'll watch that later when it's back on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I just had a morbid curiosity. I want to see Promising Young Woman just because a bunch of straight dudes on Twitter said it's so great, and I'm like, mm, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'd check it out, but. It's just because Carrie yeah. Mulligan was in Drive, so I guess I'll check other stuff out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm already put off that they call her a young woman. <laughs> well, she's no Glenn Close, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, she's older than me <laughs> by a, by a bit. <laughs> I'm not a young man. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Anything else you want to mention about Training Day? It holds up. It's uh, as good as it ever was. Well, we're going to continue to talk about uh, cop movies. Next, I think we're going to do 10 to Midnight with Bronson. And then after that, we might do uh, The Rookie with uh, Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen. And then maybe even one more. We'll see. But um, Stop or my mom will shoot. (laughs) I know you're pushing that hard. I watched it again the other night. It's it's still pretty good. We should maybe save that for uh, movies we watch as kids because I watched that a bunch when I was a kid. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't watch it, it, but I didn't see it until like a year or two ago. But still, like why ain't he still alone? It's like one of the funniest things. But mom, <laughs> mom, <Ugh>. quit doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could sit through it. Well, I mean, I haven't watched it since I was a kid, so like nice. We minutes. can see, but um, it's okay. Yeah. So, somebody gets shot in the ass in that movie too. Well, why don't you uh tell the folks at home about your podcast and Teespring? Yeah, check out the Positively Wolfie podcast. Every Friday we have unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. We're gonna hear us talk about fake sounding news stories out of real news outlets uh, and probably a bunch of other stuff that's totally unrelated. 
and then if you want some WTM merchandise, you can head over to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. You can get all your t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, whatever uh, WTM stuff you want. And uh, you can wrap the show that way. Sure can. And you can uh, follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or Brett at positively wolf one. You can email the show at watch this movie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you're off my case.